Welcome back to Left Anchor. I'm Alexi the Greek. And I'm Ryan Cooper. Today, we've got an interview with an international guest, Tanya von Knoring. Um, Probably, you know, getting at least like 80% of the pronunciation there. Who, uh, she was a member of the state committee that wrote uh, this new uh, new trans law for Finland that just passed not long ago. We're gonna we'll talk about that uh, in the interview. Um, she was uh, like testified before parliament as an expert. Uh, right now, she's executive director of NGO Trans Feminines uh, and vice chair of SETA LGBTI Finland. And was a candidate to the parliament a month ago as a Green Party member. Um, so, you know, trans person, trans activist, but also an expert who's been involved with the politics and, you know, the the science of this stuff for uh, many years. Absolutely. And maybe we should mention that in addition to her expertise and the significance within Finland uh, regarding trans politics and uh, the history there and the current changes, um, you know, we did an episode not too long ago about the quote unquote trans moral panic in the U.S., uh, some of which, you know, was relying on arguments that seem to suggest that uh, Finland and other Nordic and other European countries uh, who are progressive, even they are worried about gender affirming care and, and so on and so forth, appropriating uh, Finland uh, in service of anti-trans uh, arguments. So that's an important context for this episode as well. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, this wasn't the only reason I'm, I was just genuinely curious about this for one, but one thing that, Absolutely. that happened, you know, uh, in response to our episode and other writings I've done on the topic, um, that we heard from Jesse single and a lot of his lemmings was, well, what about Finland? What about Norway? What about Denmark? They're supposedly doing things. And, um, you know, Finland seemed like a, a place where that is an unusual upheaval and had been cited in the Atlantic as, as well as other places as an example of, you know, a, a, a you know, socialist country that was, uh, coming to grips with this supposed, you know, plague of, of, uh, children being, you know, mutilated or whatever. And yeah, we won't spoil it, but, you know, suffice to say that's complete nonsense. Um, they're just doing whataboutism and it, and it's just pure rhetoric attempting to confuse you. But, yep. um, yeah, that's the long and the short of it, but we get into the details, uh, here in just a minute. Once I mention, as usual, that this uh, podcast... I, I, feel, I feel like you almost forget every time we do this, and then you remember at the last moment. <laughs> I do. It's true. Yep. At the last moment. But yes, we're sponsored by the American Prospect. Um, if you subscribe at the $10 a month tier on our Patreon, patreon.com slash left anchor, you'll get a free digital subscription to the website. Um, $5 a month will get you bonus episodes. Um and otherwise, rate, review, send to your friends, or just enjoy uh, our interview with uh, Tanya von Knoring coming up right now. Tanya, thanks for coming on the show. Um, I thought I would ask you first about uh, the background here, you know, because I want to get into the more current history, but can you paint us a picture 
for what Finland is is like for uh, trans folks circa, let's say, 2018 or so. Um, you know, like what sort of um, legal barriers or obstacles were there? How did that interact with the national like healthcare system? Um, could you get care as a youth? That sort of thing. No, that was a pretty, thank you. That was a, quite a pretty wide question to answer just like that. That's the first question that I could speak on out to ask just about this. Yeah. Let's, let's start, well, let's, let's start briefly with the history, actually. Yeah. That's perhaps the easiest way to go in, into this question. And yeah, we had uh, one of the very hardest transgender laws here in Finland, which obviously also impacted the whole trans healthcare and, and so on. And, uh, until the 3rd of April this year, uh, we had as a requirement that you had kind of sterilization or at least that you were uh, unable to, to, to have any kind of, you know, of, of children of no so on. Uh, it was a chemical, of course, way with, with medicines. But of course, that is concerned by us, the organizations, transgender organizations, and also about, about with, within the United Nations as something that is, 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 uh, uh, comparable to torture by the state, and therefore it was, of course, not acceptable at all. And Finland got to even uh, from the European Human Court's uh, decision to 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 take it off from the legislation, but nothing happened during the former 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 government, which was the right wing, and also including the right uh, the real Finns or the predecessor. And, so we had a quite a, and we had the same law for twenty years. And I, I said already then twenty twenty years ago when it when it came that okay, this is outdated when we got it the law. And then the reason then twenty years ago was simply that um, that the committee who was looking for the law looked only at at, uh, at uh, the knowledge from Germany and Sweden who were the first, of course, to start. Any kind of translationization and, and made, made it legally possible to to change, change one's legal gender. That was Sweden in 1972 and then Germany in 1981. So so it was outdated. And at the same time, actually, the Netherlands were already changing their requirements. So 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 we were already late then. And of course, this has been a very long process to go on with the current law that we now finally have. And I must say it has been full of hinders and obstacles from all, all possible places. And it, it has been a very hard race. And I, myself, I've been in London only five years. I know there are people who have done that 10 or 20 years, of course. But though I was in a way already part part of that process, sorry, 30 years ago, but uh, but uh, not so active as I've been the last five years, perhaps one of the forefront figures here in, in, way, in a way to that. Can I ask, uh, Tanya, do you mind if I ask a, a question there? I, it's it's just, uh, you know, to be clear for people, the, the requirement for sterilization was if you wanted to to register to change, uh, right, legally, your your, your sex. And, and uh, it's such a terrible and bizarre thing. I'm trying to even understand what the argument was. I don't even see the correlation between that legal change and this procedure. It's such a bizarre thing. What did they What did they say to justify this? I, I can't even understand the logic. Then over 20 years ago, I think the idea was that, okay, uh, we have to hinder transgender people to get uh, children 
because they will also be transgender. And of course, we know that that is completely nonsense. There is nothing similar. So, of course, that was just, well, okay. it's the same way as we had. We have to look a little bit more historical here. We had until 1971, homosexuality was cr- criminalized. Uh, I know people who have been sitting in jail just for being homosexual or gay. And um, after that, there was a law that uh, uh, made it illegal to speak in public or publish anything about rainbow questions until 1999. And we have to see that the history has gone on. So still in 1999, where they were discussing a possible new uh, uh, transgender legislation, of course, there was the burden from that law that still existed there. And I think that that has been in some kind drawn from that, actually, the whole thing. So I think that that was the reason, yeah. It's a kind of eugenics logic a little bit, maybe. Yeah, right? actually, it's eugenics. It's a very good, very good relation yeah. to say that, yeah, it was quite hor- it was horrible. And I know there are still countries that have that. We have to remember that there has been countries, for example, the Czech Republic in Europe has that. And and then outside Europe, of course, other other like Iran or Turkey or something like that. But okay, their, their human rights situation is, of course, not at all comparable to that of Europe also. So we cannot have them speak about them on the same day. But yeah, that was that was the problem. And now that, then finally we have this new law and um, um, well, we, we, we are coming up on the 18th place in, in, in Europe. Of course, uh, with the, uh, the idea that, okay, we have on the 7th or 8th place when it comes to adults. Now they can freely finally have their own uh, decision uh, do the change of the gender marker because it's a question of gender marker actually. It's a regist- registry law, and um, but then when it comes to the youth, then we have problems. The youth were completely omitted from the law, even though the report, the very vast report and very profoundly done work before the law, said explicitly that they have to have their right. It's derived from the United Nations Children's agreement on the 20th clause there, it comes straight. And we know that, the, for example, the United Nations Human Rights uh, uh, Commission Special Rapporteur on the Sexual Orientation and Gender Identities, Victor Mandrigalabalos, has expressed that the, the, the states have to take care that the rights of the children must be included also in all aspects for transgender uh, children and uh, children of sexual minorities. So there was, uh, it was like, a, it was a very strange, the whole discussion about. And the, the report ended by an insert that we don't have to care about anything. This, it doesn't matter. And there was even uh, from the state legal uh, highest committee a decision that it doesn't implicate in these matters. So it was it was politics. It was clearly politics there. And I think that was because of the center party, which was involved in the uh, uh, cabinet, which is now leaving after the new election. Uh, and uh, they are still, of course, they're running the, the daily, daily, daily issues until we get the new cabinet. But uh, they, their, their uh, history is in the agrar uh, movement. In the in the countryside agrar movement, and there are huge amount of very conservatively thinking um, yeah, members of parliament in that group from northern Finland, which we call our Bible Belt. 
So that express that is, and they they said that it was so important this question to them that they were ready ready to even to collapse the whole functioning cabinet of the country, which is, I mean, if we are thinking that we are a couple of percent of people who this is about, it's it's incredible. I mean, you cannot understand it. Yeah. So uh, we've you've removed this one particular like incredibly terrible obstacle that that you know to to change your gender legally you must be you must go sterilize yourself um how about you know trans care aside from that you know i would guess as an american i've never been to finland but i am going to visit soon um in about a month in fact i would guess the finnish healthcare system in most areas is quite a bit easier to access than the united states healthcare system but uh, how is that? How does it compare? Like, like getting um, transgender care versus other types of care in in Finland. There we have also quite had a difference. Of course, we had have something good, and that is that we have a public health care. So you pay only a, a self uh, risk um, self risk portion of every treatment you have. I mean. For a doctor's visit, you pay only like uh, $40, $50. And then, and then for a major surgery, you pay $200 or something like that. So so that has been given at least that it was working. And yes, the good thing was that uh, with this horrible hold, there was also a decree that explicitly said that transgender people have the right to health care. Now that is gone. As the, of course, the decree has gone if the law is gone. So now we have something else and we are not sure even that we have that, but um, uh, so far we have through another decree, uh, the special healthcare decree uh, states. And, but there is there are several minuses. The first is, of course, that it was uh, the decree said and still says, the new decree says that it's only the um, university hospitals of two major cities, Helsinki and Tampere, that have the right to give any kind of healthcare, trans healthcare to trans people. That means also such basic things as hormone treatment. And we know, unfortunately, of um, private medic medicines, of private practitioners who have been withdrawn part of their med doctor's license because they have given uh, hormone uh, prescripts, prescriptions to transgender women, for example. Why is that? Why, why only in those two hospitals? What, what, what that was is the reason? a very interesting thing. I have been, of course, in the middle of these talks very much also with uh, the representatives of the two hospitals. And um, it's very strange. It's derived perhaps from the same thing that we have the alcohol is licensed only by the state stores here. So mm -hmm. I, 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 there is no actually, they have never said anything which is sustainable uh, in their argumentation. Uh, their arguments has been like, uh, okay, if we give it to the private sector, we will have a, uh, all kind of doctor practitioners who do not know. But we have a system from the st state control of everything. There is no such risk. And we are the only Western European country that has this system still. And we need more. The other, the third, the second bad thing was that it's that's a uh, gatekeeping system. It's a horrible long procedure. And even now with the change, that uh, the, the, the legal gender process is taken away from the medical. We have heard the first, um, well, it's only one and one month, but we have heard 
that they have not changed. They still have two years even of, of living in the wrong gender. Well, you can, of course, change gender marker change, but I mean, things that are completely inital for a for a for a for a f sixty four zero or then the IC, forthcoming ICD eleven diagnosis. So it makes no sense. Actually, our organization has been the further transfeminists has been the first who has been launching the requests that we give them also to the private sector. Now, that's have been a little bit more reluctant because they are afraid that if we do that, then we lose also the rights to the public health care. And of course, there are is that risk. But we see that it weighs much more that the patient has the right to change with whom they are having their treatment. And also the doctors have also their uh, liberty of uh, giving also private uh, private health care, which is, of course, in any other field, we have private health care. <laughs> yes, so it doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it sounds to me like basically there's just tremendous reluctance at all levels of the system to enable people to get the care. They want it to be difficult and obnoxious and take a long time to do because they don't want people like you said with the alcohol example it's basically like you know we're gonna it's have deterrent yes yeah, yeah. the high prices and and um you know limited opening hours and stuff so that people don't drink so much exactly that's very much the same idea and uh, especially then when we're speaking about the youth then comes the most horrifying stories from our country unfortunately and unfortunately i have to tell the audience here about that also so so there we have had a very limited possibility of any kind of treatment for those who are younger than 18. they all belong to the young uh, to the youth psychiatric um, um, uh, polyclinics then they are not even called transgender polyclinics for them and unfortunately, at least in, in the other city here in, in our city, um, Tampere, we have, have the lead of that, uh, that clinic also has been very against any kind of transgender rights and also was citated now widely by the press during the, the transgender legislation process in the parliament. Then uh, with comp- statements that were completely um, comparable to those of the anti-gender movement. So, so by, by for example, omitting a new science, uh, scientific rec- uh, research is or, or saying that the youth under 18 cannot possibly know their gender and completely absurd things. So we have there a very high barrier. And that has been, of course, by another organization, which is the Parents' Organization of the Trans Children. They have taken very much up this question and tried to explain uh, publicly and also in the parliament that uh, it's it's an absurd situation. And that's, of course, for us, one of the forthcoming um, major um, policy work targets is to get also the, the young involved both in the treatment, the, the, have the right to, 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 uh, to accordingly to treatment, for example, hormone blockers, treatment and and then also to of course to get the legal legal right because the strange thing is the same thing that we have a so-called name law a 15 year old can change their name also to another gender by their own decision and younger of that with parental uh, parental approval so it's that's another registry law so it doesn't make sense that the new transgender law then has 18. And that was one of our arguments that if we haven't prejudiced from another law, why is this, this not law that doesn't make then it doesn't make any sense that we don't button give by this law 
then the new the new transgender law also the same rights to the young. I think it's important. How, you're highlighting how illogical uh, the arguments on the other side, so-called, are for these obstacles and these problems. And it's especially relevant because, as you probably know, in the United States recently in the media, there has been uh, trans moral panic and discussion of uh, new new evidence that suggests that uh, young people are getting gender affirming care too soon and it's dangerous. And there has been reporting that look at the, the Europeans even like in Finland, they they also are, are suddenly uh, worried and concerned. But I think what you're helping our audience understand is there's no new change based on evidence. This is a longstanding problem that is a political obstacle to overcome to give people the rights they deserve. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Often I, I, I refer here to a quite recent Dutch study. Uh, there was over 700 uh, uh, trans young uh, aged. It started in 2016, ended in 2021. On uh, 2015 to 61, it was uh, like almost seven years. Uh, the youngest were 13 when they started, including the study. There were 700 included in, in the study. And, uh, uh, and at the end of the 701 had ceased the process, 699 had not regretted anything. And this one had not regretted, they were just because they were obviously, or for some other reasons, had left the study. So so that gives already, it is one of the best proofs so far, which has done about how transgender youth uh, are uh, very much aware what their uh, gender is. It doesn't change from the one day we know that we are what we are. We know that at three, four, the age of three and four, we know what gender we are. And often, often even refer to myself. I was eight years in the year 1968, one, one year before Neil Armstrong and Edwin Aldrin on the moon. And uh, then I knew perfectly that I was a woman. There was no information in those days. You went to the right, library right. five years later and you could read that you're, you're insane or something like that. And, and, you know, it's it's remarkable. And you tell, tell me if Finland is much different. But my impression from Europe generally is that uh, – there's a lot more respect for the autonomy and ability for young people to make decisions about their bodies and about their own life, just generally. So, so this suggests that there's a special anti-trans, anti-queer bigotry, because generally in Europe, like the age of consent to choose to have sex, the, the age, you know, for drinking, like so many things, uh, young people are respected enough to make the decisions themselves. Is that true in Finland as well, that generally speaking, compared to, say, the United States? Yeah, yeah. Compared to the United States, I must say there's a huge difference. I mean, here is your eight-year kids going along to their school, for example. They are trusted. <laughs> uh, at, at school, we trust the young. It, it, it's, and I mean, even here in the second largest city, that happens. So, so it's it's completely different to the United States in that way. And and their rights are also much more bigger. It's out of question that the parents would uh, follow after that after tw- twelve or thirteen any time akin to the school or for example when it comes actually to to the to the to the to the right of the children after 12 years their uh, their uh, actually their uh, opinion is heard always first so they have a very even in legislation a very hard uh, uh, hard hard status in that way that they can uh, protect themselves 
against, for example, from bigotry from from parents or something like that. So, yes, right. we have a we have a very other situation there for young, and therefore it's very strange that then when it comes to transgender, they are like taken away all their rights to exist. Yeah, the yeah, I think it's important to kind of emphasize this point because you know in an American context, there's. <clears throat> like Europe and especially the Nordic countries serves as this sort of like, um, you know, either utopian, you know, welfare state paradise. Uh, if you're on the left, you're like, look at all of these great welfare programs. These guys really got it figured out. Or, you know, a communist nightmare where, you know, you can't even buy a liquor in the middle of the night at the government monopoly. Um, and so this, which, 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 by the way, in Pennsylvania, the state that Ryan and I live in also state run liquor, <laughs> but there, there's this Atlantic article that has sparked off a lot of this, a teen gender care debate is spreading across Europe. Doubts have now come to the Netherlands where the most contested intervention for children and adolescents were deployed. And it cites Finland as well. And, and the, and the rhetorical move here is to say, look, even the commies in Europe with their national healthcare system and all their great welfare state stuff, they're worried about the conspiracy of endocrinologists who are trying to like bum rush all the children into changing their gender before they really know what they are. And what you're telling me is that like Finland is maybe even somewhat of an outlier compared Compared to its neighbors and this being a struggle to obtain even uh, the slightest trans rights for adults and that as a child it's basically impossible or nearly so maybe unless you're rich and you could go to a different country yeah that you can do. but when of course then we have also to remember we have very two very important laws that comes to all people and that's the law of anti-discrimination and the law of equality and from 2014th, December 13th, it includes also gender identity and also non-confirming gender identity and uh, any uh, uh, and equality based and, and the, the law, the regulations of non-discriminations based on any kind of sex or gender. So, so there we have something, and that is of course. Uh, uh, not seen to any age. But then, of course, if we're speaking about the society itself also, there are huge differences. I live here in the second largest city, which is perhaps called the most HGLBTQ-friendly city in Finland, uh, uh, along with the capital. But then we go just 50 kilometers out on the countryside to the smaller communities, and it's changed completely. So mm, it is, mm. I think it's very much the same like in the United States. In New York, which is um, almost a second hometown for me, or LA, you can be yourself, but, but not, 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 not if you were to wish it a Kansas there, you cannot be yourself probably. So, so it's, uh, it's much more, it's very much the same thing. Yeah. And um, the other f f part of this that I wanted to ask you about is like, like um, from, from again, from America, it's presented as if the Europeans are doing, you know, they're, they're, they're looking honestly at the evidence and whatnot. And so maybe people are doing a moral panic based on trumped up bullshit here in the States. But look over at Europe with their rational uh, uh, discussion and 
Right. Um, and they, they might even use the, the fact that the, those anti-discrimination laws exist. See, over there, they actually care about everyone and still they're worried. Like, that's the kind of move they want to make. Right? But this this is what I wanted to ask. Uh, it, it, it appears to me from the outside that there is something – I mean, we've sort of been talking about it, but, but a, a transphobic backlash that's been building inside Finland. Um, this person – I'm going to pronounce this very badly. I'm, I apologize in advance. Ritaker uh, Kaltiala? Yeah, yeah. yeah. She is actually the lead of the Thunder Trans And it was to her I referred her earlier with her very strange remarks on transgender children. Yeah. So can, can you tell us a little bit more about this? Because she is cited frequently in, in American media. As being, you know, and she said stuff like, Go she's ahead. the chief, yes, she's the chief of the young, uh, of the psychiatric uh, clinic for young people here at the University of Hospital of Tampere, the other which has the right to do any kind of transgender treatment. And also, of course, then she's the boss of the section for the trans youth there. And yes, there we have, uh, she has cited things like, uh, Transgender people, people no, no, no one can know their gender before they are 18. She has cited all the uh, scientific uh, researches and not even looked at those which I just mentioned, the Dutch. Uh, the, I think that their treatment is not accordingly to the WIPAT uh, number eight, which were published last year. So there is huge amount, and I think... We think at least that she is linked very much to the anti-gender movement, and at least she was she was invited by uh, the network that was against the transgender law, also to the parliamentary committee, where I also was invited as expert. Uh, unfortunately, the committee work is such that I cannot say what she said inside, but what she has said outside that I have, of course, the right to say. And I must say it was, it is very much in align and I'm very much with the anti-gender movement and uh, very much understand that she, she is cited very much in the United States because, uh, thinking that somebody is professor of young, of psychiatric, of, of psychiatric of young persons, of the young and also in the lead or the, uh, the uh, trans polyclinic uh, estimating if the, the young are eligible for any kind of treatment and okay, 2% might go through here. It's only so, it's so low actually. So of course, I understand that she's, she's, uh, she's very much cited there. But yes, we have that. We have a very, uh, let's say in three years, the anti-gender movement has augmented several here. There has been several organizations even uh, found just for that movement, just before this legislation process. One was, for example, a TERF movement, uh, the Women's Front. Another was the LGB Union without a T and similar. And then we have something which is called Real Marriage, which is a uh, long-time movement, which is actually their origin is very much in the uh, right-wing conservative, Christian conservative movement. Uh, a man and a woman makes a family and all this traditional bit we know what it's about, but their target has been the last years only on anti-gender issues. So, and we know also that in Europe they had done the, uh, the European Fundamental Rights Agency did a very large research about the anti-gender movement in Europe, which was published in Vienna in 2022, 
and it's about the eight previous years, and we should, should know that they have been getting 700 million euros, these movements, in just six years around Europe. So it's it's like, and that's double up what the LGBT associations give, get, gets for years. Can I ask, Tanya, uh, in Finland, is the backlash... Uh, is the coalition because you you described like the Bible Belt types, right? The 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 you know, uh, but you also mentioned I think the turfs, the trans exclusionary uh, radical feminists. Like in the in the in the United Kingdom, turf, so many turfs. Um, what is the the composition in your mind of the coalition? Is it is it uh, predominantly the Bible Belt kind of conservatives, or are there a lot of turfs, or or what does it look like? There there is a mixed. It's a very mixed. mixed. It's it's people who who think that they are, and especially uh, let's say also within the the real Finns party, which now ended up as the second largest party, unfortunately, and is currently discussing to become a cabinet member, like you might know, and that is it's a very alarming that our moderate party, and that party, and the Christian party is also of course related, but that's quite a small party here, but still their rhetoric is all the same. And unfortunately, my old party, the Swedish People's Liberal Party, wants to to discuss with all these and make possible a majority government. Mm-hmm. I cannot forgive that. I have been now with the Green Party the last year, and also member I was candidate to the parliament again this this spring. So so it, it's it's very strange that we can see this kind of movement. But it's also very clear that it is financed and it's very well organized. And it comes also that we can see on, on, on discussions on the social media that there are very much the same names which attacks everything possible that has to do with HBLBTQ and especially with trans questions. We have the main uh, pa- paper uh, which is comparable to the American New York Times, the Helsinki, Sanamot Helsinki, Helsinki Times, it would be, or Helsinki newspaper. So anyway, so if they publish something on the net, it's like in two hours, it's like 100 of this kind of anti-gender comments there. And it's very much the same persons who are every time there around and, and, and speaking out. That. And unfortunately, their, their impact is so big when it comes to the populistic argument that it's easy to sell. And that's so people who do not know, like the absolute majority of the people have never met a transgender person, or they think that they have met. Of course, they have seen in the streets hundreds of us, but they are not aware of that. They are not aware of that. And 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 the same same time, they think that, okay, this is certainly a risk, if because they are so clear in their message that we are presumably a risk for the children or the women or whatever it might be. So... So, so it's very easy to sell. And then we are coming with scientific argumentation and perhaps hard to understand language. Right, it's, right. We only have a possible to lose that kind of, of, of argumentation with the public. Do you have problems there like we have in the United States around what bathroom to use? Is that also a, a, a rhetoric they use that they scare people about the bathrooms? Is that also used there? Yeah, I, I heard just the last week had Kansas got this absurd bill, which states that you have to have your your, your according use the the bathroom according to your uh, your your birth sex, 
which means that they will the, the women's bathrooms will be full, filled up with trans men, musculous, bearded people who are there and there. And my my former colleague Mason Davis actually from was the TGU coach and now is with the uh, with the um, yeah. Uh, AIDS center there in America, America their ED, so some some of the AIDS centers. So anyway, so so make quite a good, uh, uh, very old old man with a bald head and huge beard that he should enter the the female bathrooms now. Well, well, let's come to the point now. We don't have had in the same way. No, I think the general still the general the public accepts very much the transgender people here, but we have a very loud voice from a small minority that used to be small. Now we can see that, okay, if there already are 25% of the population, if you are looking at the votes, that means that it's already an alarming situation. It's easy up to the situation of Poland or Hungary or something similar, where effectively now Slovakia also is trying to even ban that you can change the legal gender marker at all. So, so there is there. It's coming certainly. They have not gone so far, and we are also we have the luck that uh, we have very much in the civil servants, very much of people who are in favour for us. So they have been able to work, for example, in the swimming pool, um, uh, swimming pool um, room. Let's say changing rooms or so locker rooms that you can still use according. And then we have a. So-called marker also that specific trans women can use, which is actually made for those who had breast cancer or something else that you can have the swimwear on even in the sauna and in the shower. So we have had that kind of instruments, but we are all the time on the alert. And I, I feel quite uncomfortable, I must say, with the current situation that we have in the parliament. It scares me quite a lot that what is the future here? We have now finally a law. I have heard even from the moderate party, who is the prime, forthcoming prime minister parties, at least as we see it now, it was here in our own city. Some of the members of parliaments during the run for the parliament had in one of the major shopping malls here, some kind of mm, pre-election thing there and presentation on them. And they were screaming that this horrible new transgender law has to be one of the is the one of the first things that has to be cancelled with the new parliament. So there is the risks all the time. Yeah. Can you tell us about the? You know, I don't think uh, people may not know what the real Finns party is. Um, you know, so so what was this election about? Um, and who? Right, right. And tell us about the the. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. As if, we, if imagine a Congress that could actually function, where you could like pass bills if you had more votes than the other than the other coalition. <laughs> um, but great mystery to to why that would make it easier. Anyway, yeah. Tell us about the parties and whether uh, you know transgender issues as opposed to say like the war in Ukraine were, were the you know and joining NATO right, which recently happened. You know, what were the main axes of political discussion? And that's a very good question. Actually, here we have, well, <laughs> we are seeing in, in even the Ukraine one, but let's, let's just focus first on the transgender questions. The, the, the previous parliament, there we were in the lead. The, the cabinet was formed by Social Democrats, Sanna Marine, of course, perhaps well known as our uh, young uh, female prime minister. 
uh, even on, on on the first page of, of all possible times and so on. And um, uh, then the uh, center party, uh, which is an agra party and now is in the opposition, they lost huge amount of votes to this real Finns party, which is an ultra-conservative right-wing party and was also in the European Parliament member of that anti-European, anti-EU movement group and sitting together with such parties like the Peace Party or the uh, Law and Order Party of Poland, which is in the lead currently in Poland, or the uh, Fidesz from Hungary of Mr. Orban. So it's and Jean-Marie Le Pen and all, all this. It's, it's the same movement in a way. So it's a very right-wing party. Or true things. They have two names. They sometimes they call real things. Sometimes they call themselves true things. But um, anyway, and then uh, they were in the opposition as 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 well as the moderate party, which is a long time larger party. It's a uh, conservative party, uh, much more moderate than the Republicans in the United States. We don't have so right wing here any anything. Uh, but um, let's say like comparable to the Tories in the UK or something similar. Yeah. And uh, they were also in the opposition. So the cabinet of Social Democrats, uh, Centre Party, the Agra Party, then the Swedish Liberal uh, People's Liberal Party, which is representing mostly the Swedish minority of Finland. We are a bilingual country. Both languages are official and, and you can use them both in, in, in state offices around the country. Um, then the, the left, Party and the Green Party. The left party is the remains of the former Communist Party, but they, uh, there is another nowadays. So it's 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 a let's say a left a socialist party, which is on the left side. Yeah. Yeah, and so the even though the Social Democrats actually got more votes uh, than they did in the last election, their coalition partners tanked pretty bad, and um, the the real fins or true fins made up a lot of ground and so now you have a new right-wing coalition government that's um, true now because the here is the tradition that the party which gets the most places in the parliament that's not always the same as the most votes is the one who starts to form the cabinet and they they took the second most places because we have a system which is um it's it's not exactly by the those are not elected who gets necessarily the most votes. It's by, by uh, let's say, by by election uh, groups. You can form election groups and then they divide. It's quite complicated. The whole system it's called in 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 in, in, in politology. That system that is used. It's a one hundred year old system. So, but it gives some kind of. Uh, uh, also more places to small parties without otherwise risk to fall out. So it, it has some good advantage. Also, this is the so, yes, the former cabinet was the one who did this law finally. Now we have a new cabinet might be coming. We don't know yet. If the Swedish okay. party withdraws them, then we have a minority cabinet and the whole thing might collapse. So let's see. Let's see. To follow up on Ryan's uh Second part of the question: Do you think the shift and the uh, the victory for the the right wing coalition is somewhat related to the desire to join NATO to protect against Russia? Is it? it what are the politics that explain that shift? Do you think? Yeah, yeah, I think also there has been, and they have used very much. The right wing has very much used this situation by declaring 
them suddenly very pro-European, pro-NATO and things which they were not before. <laughs> we are looking at just five years ago, the, the right wing, the ultra right wing, they were completely against the European Union. They were almost friendly to Russia. So they had done like a complete turn just to get votes. And then by the easy populistic way, they are now one of the forefront leaders, of course, in the, in the NATO process and speaking for that. But now NATO was not there by victory. It was the former cabinets. It was not even right. the moderates. It was the social democrats and center and the green party's victory. Our foreign ministry is from the green party. So. Yeah, no justice in these these uh, terms. It's like who who can posture the most effectively? Um, one uh, last question on this sort of um, the uh, these groups that are sprouting up that you've been talking about. Uh, how much of that, to your knowledge, is is coming from or being influenced by stuff in the UK or the United States? Um, you know, I just know. Uh, speaking with folks from other countries, that uh, the English language media it can be just incredibly influential, often to a quite noxious degree. Um, do you, is that happening? Yeah, that's true, of course. Yeah, here is, uh, I mean, English is perhaps our national language <laughs> in any way, even, even Swedish and Finnish should be the officials. Yeah, that's true. Everybody can English here, you go to. To a small, small, small booth somewhere to buy something that speak fluent English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to speak to the, to the about about that is the UK. What has happened in the UK, especially with the transsexual radical feminists taking over the women's movement, has had also an implication here, especially to that part. And also, what is happening in the United States? They are used that hey, look at the United States. This is going well there, for, according to them which is against us. And I can see it also other, uh, which is very strange. Actually, the, the Finnish National uh, League, the Women's League, who is the rapporteur to the United Nations of the CEDAW agreement, uh, agreement against all violence against women, are very much for the transgender rights. In Sweden and in UK, they are against. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. And they have been taken over both by these trans-exclusive radical feminists. So the situation in Sweden, I was speaking with my colleagues, the, the chair of the Swedish LGBTI, Sweden LFSL, and uh, they said to me that it's very interesting that they have quite the opposite situation. They're the Christian party suddenly in favor for a new law as long as it comes only to adults. But then the, 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 the National League of Women is against in Sweden, so it's like completely other situation. And I think it's just because we have had there perhaps in, in well, UK is another story. That's a longer story and, and, and a very sad story with NHSL taking off the, the transgender service from many cities. But in, in, in Sweden, which has been a traditional human rights flow front runner, has suddenly fallen very much, in my opinion, to the back. It's not only in the transgender rights question as well. The law is still the same like from 1972, although it's as been simply at the process. They have not renewed that. But also in many other questions, it comes also in, in for example, uh, they have the very strange model on, 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 on uh, purchase of sex, which is forbidden in Sweden, which is contradictory to the World Health Organization or the LGBT or the, 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 the Rainbow Association's uh, point of views. 
and even to to the most parties of our country are against such. So and and then comes the transgender, which has law, which has been twice already presented to the Swedish Parliament during the years. The last was in 2019, but due to election, it fall down. And again, there was again even from the Ministry of Social and Health Affairs in Sweden a very reluctant attitude towards any kind of modernization, which is not at all the same we have. Like I mentioned, our civil servants has been very much for the transgender rights. So we have more right, more right than the political right and the Christian conservative area, and then and a mixture of people who thinks that they are they have they are fighting for some kind of tradition or whatever it might be, who are in that. And they have of course nowadays a big uh, um, big impact on the society. We say they say that twenty five percent are voting for them, but it's not the same way that in the structures of UK and Sweden we can see, and also in some other European countries, especially the Eastern European countries, we can see that inside the civil structures there are is transphobia. And that's actually a much more worse situation in a way. Right. No. It, and I wanted to ask too <clears throat> about. Demographics in terms of age, it's wonderful. It was wonderful to see such a young prime minister because in the United States, we have a gerontocracy. Old people are in power everywhere and they tend to have more reactionary views. And uh, just polls tell us that the young people in the United States have very progressive views, very, uh, you know, pro-trans views, pro-queer views, uh, populist views. Um, is it the same in Finland where, where young people uh, seem to have uh, uh, more compassion, care, and better politics. And how does that relate to to who's in power now? How old people are in power? <laughs> yeah, it, it, generally we used to say that it was exactly the same thing. But now with this election, it was quite astonishing that one third of those who were first time voters, eighteen, nineteen, twenty years old, said that they would vote for the real true Finns. Wow. And that was very alarming. And we have two very, young, two very young 20 plus uh, new member of parliament from this uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, province from where the Tampere is, the Birkama, Birkaland province, and uh, who came just by TikTok. They get 10,000, 5,000 votes each and, and very uh, where, where um, became elected, and their their first issue, the other said that he, his primary um, uh, work in the parliament will be to fight against the woke idea. So it's like it's quite horrible. So they obviously the social media is changing a lot, but we can see also there are divide of the society, and I think the, the divide comes from the knowledge those who have from home or from their. Uh, from their environment, from the school or whatever, have a good or more uh, liberal uh, education and more uh, knowledge about things will also later in their life stay with that and, and not be so easy targets for the populistic movement. And those who have less knowledge, uh, actually this is we can see quite well also, that traditional, for example, the green voters, while the majority is women, and the majority of the women are academics. So so there is a difference. And let's say that uh, the traditional voter of the, the truth in party is a ma- male age 40 
who has gone just to vocational institutes and works perhaps as a lorry driver or 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 something similar. So yeah, we can see that yeah that has a big implication. But that the young of them suddenly thirty percent were in favor for that. That was very scary. Yeah, yeah, that's alarming. Yeah, the every everywhere we see the this obsession with woke. You know, it's like American culture war beefs or eating global politics in France. People complaining about legwokeism, whatever. And it's like, <laughs> what kind of a patriotic nationalist are you? You know, like you're 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 getting mad over these imported American concepts. Make up your own grievances for crying out loud. Um. <laughs> I, in our last few minutes, I wanted to ask a little bit more about the 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 rest of the Nordics. Um, you've talked a bit about S- Sweden, right? But um, how about Denmark and Norway? Yeah, that's a very good question. Norway we have used as a very good example when it comes to transgender legislation. In 2016, they got perhaps one of the best laws in Europe or the world. Well, at least in Europe. Uh, a person aged 16 and above cannot their own uh, own own decision uh, change the gender marker from 6 to 16 it's with parental uh, uh, parental approval and below 6 then with uh, doctor's approval so it it was and it has worked very well no problems reported so far during the seven years the laws has existed uh, in Norway, however, the transgender healthcare is not so well formed. And we have had last year, I was in a, a Nordic LGBTIQ meeting in Oslo. Uh, I heard, unfortunately, that uh, there is reluctance to give enough of healthcare, and especially against, again, the hormone blockers to the youth. So they, they are, even if the law is very good, the the outcome then when it comes to the health care is obviously not so good and it has severe problems there. Uh, when it comes to Denmark, uh, their legislation is, of course, a little bit different than all of the Nordics, more liberal in many ways, but there is unfortunately the age limit is 18, so it's very much the same, same law that we have now in Finland that they have in place there. And their transgender clinics are, they have much more, but they have limited capabilities. For example, any kind of, of genital surgery is done in in Germany, if I have understood correct. They don't have in Denmark. So, and then when it comes to the small, in the half independent countries, oh Iceland. Let's take Iceland first. If you take all the sure. Nordic countries, then yeah. So then Iceland had a very good law, which names fifteen and above, and also includes the third gender marker. And also what we were looking for here, which we didn't get, is uh, forbidden, uh, 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 is to forbid the inertial, um cosmetic surgery on intersexual babies. And that we don't have yet, because we know that there is, we have 15 a year of which about 12 have been so far got a genital surgery to confirm with the parental requirement of a gender when the doctor cannot say which gender they are at birth. Right. There, there's a book by, by Anne Fausto Sterling called Sexing the Body. There's a pretty gruesome history in there. You know, it is, you know, people get so anxious about, you know, doing gender operations on 
uh, babies, but it, uh, and historically, and even up to today, it, you know, you have babies born with intersex characteristics where it's not obvious, you know, like which way they might go or whether they should go in any particular direction. And the, some, sometimes the doctor would just guess and, and cut off big chunks of flesh with, and sometimes without telling the parents even. Yeah, it's even not just guessing. We have here stories that the doctors have asked the parents, which do you want? Yeah. Which which sex at birth? Well, we call it the gender. We have only one word for sex and gender. It's the same. So, 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 which gender do you want? We have here documented situations from Tampere. Well, I know one person, and then they are now eighteen. So at the age of fifteen, okay, there was no. They wanted the parents said that okay, it shall be a girl, and they were uh, done a cosmetic surgery, and then at the age of Fifteen, there were no boobs coming and nothing, no breasts and nothing else. So it was said, uh, and then uh, started instead some kind of beer and <laughs> coming up like so it was a, it was a man. <laughs> yeah, Oops. so so that happens, and that is that is already a fact that is I I use very much the intersexual in my education. I'm educating quite a lot, and and also some very good endocrinological shams, which are like a rainbow. Uh, Seem like a, like one long long linear scale from actually from United States from a university in the United States to show that these are the best evidence that we have something that is called the gender is not a binary it's non-binary we are all non-binary it's just a it's just a, uh, we have a gender diversity it's natural thing but let's yeah. go back to the other question which I is you were saying about the Nordic countries this was. Uh, an outcome from the Icelandic situation. Then we have the three, uh, the, uh, three smaller uh, areas in, in here in, in, the, uh, in the Nordic countries, which have own legislation. We have Åland Islands in Finland, between Finland and, and, and Sweden. They have completely own legislation. The Finnish legislation is not per se valid there. Only some of the basic laws are valid, but for example, they have own, uh, uh, they have both on 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 legislation these questions and also on legislation on on uh, on 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 equality and anti discrimination and so on. Even the police legislation is different from the on from, fin, from the Finnish Finnish society. They have had one hundred years that kind of system there, so it has been existing for a long time that country. And uh, there there they have most copied actually the Finnish legislation. So they had the same horrific legislation until now and. Uh, now they have. Um, it seems that they will get also the same. Same. It's uh, some weeks to change, but many other laws they copy from Sweden. Then we have Greenland and Faroe Islands. You were on Faroe Islands. Mm -hmm. They are not so much independent as as Åland Islands, but Greenland is. And I have spoken a lot with LGBTIQ Greenland, uh, their representatives, and they said that uh, uh, gender recognition is not possible at all, even if it's possible in Denmark, in the mother country of Denmark. So when we're looking at the international reports from, from ILGA or TG or some else, they forget these small areas. And of course, there are not many thousands of people, even 20,000 on Orland Islands, the same 50,000 on Greenland and it's 50,000 Faroe Islands. So it's not many. But they are equally human. Those are people too. They, they matter also. They are still there. Yeah, they are still. And yes. they, are small, they are small countries, which you, we forget. So, And they have their own problems, especially I'm thinking about the Greenland situation. And there the society is very binary. 
because of course of historical reasons. It's it's very it's one hundred years ago since they were most were seal or whale um well well fishers there so so it's a, it's completely other society but let's say and uh, but all on islands is perhaps has been more fisherman society it has been a very wealthy society for for many years and so um, it's the the big it's a tax-free area here in the nordic countries so it's but they have mostly followed finland not sweden for some reason at least in these questions but um one last question before we let you go. Uh, where do you see, you know, sort of an, a promising path forward? You know, do you think this is just the this, this same type of, you know, backlash to people gaining rights that is sort of, you know, apparently doomed, like the fight against gay marriage in the 1980s and 90s uh, and 2000s? Um, or, you know, are we looking at something more sinister uh what do you think it's very hard to foresee in the future i must say yes um i wish it could be that which was about the gay marriage about the rights of the gay i have often said that the transgender people are in the same situation that gay people were 20 years ago by the millennium their rights where those in in that stage at the same level as ours are now, but unfortunately, the suddenly risen uh, anti-gender movement has changed, in my opinion, a little bit the scene. I am not so trustworthy about the future in that question. How we will ensure the transgender people their legal rights, their rights to live as an equal member of the society, which we all. Uh, have the right to have so so I would like to to be optimistic I'm usually as a person very optimistic I would not otherwise do this kind of fight on international and a domestic level and, but uh, but yes last week I reported to the Commissariat of the United Nations Human Rights in Geneva about the Finnish situation and I said to them that I am a little bit afraid about the future currently, and I wish that all the um, league, those, uh, let's say, those networks of the society that works for the basic rights and for the human rights of the United Nations should unify themselves to work for the basic rights of all human beings, including transgender. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. The, the fight has to continue. And as you said earlier, uh, ignorance has to be defeated with knowledge and people have to care and, and, and fight in the struggle uh, for all people, all trans people, all people everywhere. So hopefully we can call upon each other to uh, participate and support each other in, in this important fight. And, um, you know, we can't predict, but we can do what we can to fight. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the one. As a closing comment, perhaps, you know, I think the one thing that I would point out to people, you know, who may be sort of on the fence about this is that, you know, you have the turf movement, trans exclusionary radical feminists, but you look at what happened to JK Rowling, 
the second part of that acronym just disappears. It's just straight up right wing conservatism now. She's palling around with this lady Posey Parker, who is just like basically a fascist. She's against abortion. She's against, you know, women's liberation of any kind. Just a classic Phyllis Schlafly type of conservative. And so yes. like this, the, this, uh, you know, we're not free unless we're all free. You know, this exactly. will eat your politics. You can't, you can't be. Uh, liberatory and against uh, trans rights. Exactly. You cannot be them. And exactly to finish, if you are against trans rights, you are against HLBTQ rights, and you're against women's rights, you're against the whole basic rights of the United Nations. And human rights. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, Thank you so much for helping educate our audience and us and for, for being with us. I hope you show Ryan a good time when he comes to, to Finland. Yeah, I, I wish, you, Ryan, I, I wish you very much welcome here. And I wish uh, you have to oh, just send me, please, I, an email. You know, so that maybe you will, will be coming I'm, here. And- I might have to visit too now, now that I've been invited. I'm, I'm going to come as well. <laughs> it would be my pleasure to, to have you at, uh, to meet you here at uh, our office and, and show around hopefully also something also something not to work related those yes days. absolutely thank you so much thanks for listening everybody and we will see you in the next episode